we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia from which we conduct our podcast. We would like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Molotov. I'm going to get this whole party off. Hey guys, welcome back to Beers and Tears. Today we are joined with Kira Peru. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, pretty good. 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 Well, I went for, I rolled my ankle yesterday out on my afternoon walk. Oh no. (laughs) That is not good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really clumsy. I've been known to be extremely clumsy. Um, And yeah, that's proving to still be an issue for me. So I spent most of the night with my leg up, just kind of feeling sorry for myself. But it's such a nice day today. I couldn't stay home. So I went to the Mm -hmm. park with my friend and their baby. And we just hung out in the park, which was really cute. Cute. Yeah, well, nice. it's just being auntie. Um, well, we just want to start by asking you how you got into music. Where did you know you could sing or play or all that jazz? Um, I don't know. My parents um, have always been into, into playing music, not professionally, just kind of like as a... Um, you know, fun pastime or something to do with friends. So I think from a really early age, I was introduced to music as like a fun therapeutic thing to do or a way to bond with friends. So I did a lot of singing as a child, but it wasn't until I was like, I mean, like when I was a kid, you know, my parents bought me a little Casio and I would put on shows and make them watch me. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, why would you buy your child an instrument if you weren't prepared to sit through, you know, a three-hour show of them yeah. <laughs> performing their made-up songs to you. So it's really their fault, to be honest. Um, uh, and then when I was older in high school, I kind of got into drama and performing arts and all that kind of shit. So then um, I sort of ta- started taking it more seriously, yeah. Yeah, sweet. And so you hmm. grew up, like, just out of Newcastle and then made the move to – when did you make the move to Melbourne? of a transition when yeah well I've been here for a while now I've been here like seven ish years um I actually moved to Melbourne to give up music because I was burnt out really yeah yeah I was playing with a band in Newcastle that was kind of like um it was a bit more like proggy industrial rock sort of thing yeah. Uh, which I adored. It was a great band, but we tra- We worked really hard and we travelled a lot and we just weren't seeing, like, um, I guess, like, industry accolades or, or the things that we, the kind of feedback that we wanted from the industry that would motivate us to keep going. Um, and so I just kind of had jack of it, really, and mm-hmm. I had some friends in Melbourne and I just kind of saw that as a more culturally vibrant place to live. So, yeah, I thought, you know, I'll give up music, move to Melbourne, become a... I don't know, an accountant, a foodie, I don't know, whatever. Uh, but that didn't work. That didn't work for very long. I got a couple of really great gigs and, yeah, music never really left me alone. Do you prefer uh, working as a solo artist and with, as a band? or? There's pros and cons to each side. The great thing about working in a band is that, like, there's a real sense of camaraderie. So, like, mm. everything you do 
all the ideas that you have, things that you write together, you can bounce ideas around and get feedback. And, and you know, when you're touring, there's a real sense of kind of all being in it together for this greater mm. good. Um, but also it's, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of, um, I don't know how to like delicately put it, but like <laughs> political, uh, political struggle or just, you know, a difference of opinion. Sometimes yeah. you just get over each other, you know, and when you're a soloist and you're paying session musicians, it's their job to show up and not have any problem, know their parts mm. and just shut the fuck up and do their job. So <laughs> yeah. but that's a really nice thing about being a solo musician, but it can feel um, isolated and mm. like isolating and lonely sometimes as well. So. It's uh depends on what your what your scene is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you released a few songs during isolation-ish. Um, how did it feel to release music during that time? Because you obviously have released music before that as well. And like how did you the comparison yes. of like did you record during that time or was it pre-recorded or how did it all roll out? Well, um, for the most part I didn't do much during sort of like COVID or during lockdown, I, to be honest, I felt extremely um, uh, overwhelmed and like unmotivated and not very creative at all. And I did kind of try and it was hard too because I was seeing other artists in in sort of my area, in my field that were all really creating a lot and and, um, producing a lot of output. And that was intimidating really to see. Um, and I felt pressure to kind of match that. But after a while, and I don't know if you guys experienced this as well, but I think very quickly we all had this kind of like media burnout because everyone was trying so hard to connect mm. because we weren't able to leave the house that I felt like this overwhelming sense of like <laughs> too much shit was coming yeah. out and people were trying to put albums out and doing like live streams all the time. And mm. it was nice for a while, but I think I felt eventually like, oh, my God, there's just so much to take in. I'm, I need to just sort of take a break. So... Um, after a couple of months of lockdown, I really started to just focus on like surviving and, and maybe trying to correct little things in my life that I hadn't really had a chance to address while I was on the road and doing all this other kind of crazy shit. Mm. So, um, yeah, I didn't produce much, but I did have a few opportunities. Um, like I had a collaboration with Bonds come out and they asked me to write a song that was inspired by when, uh, well, people who menstruate, people who have periods. Yeah. Um, so it was a really cute idea and I wrote that and recorded that in lockdown, which was nice. Um, and it was a paid opportunity, which is always good when you're um, an artist that can't gig. Yeah. To have something like that come through is really nice. Um, and then I, I did put one song out at the very start of the year, um, which I became a, a tumultuous release for many reasons. But, um, yeah, that kind of scraped that in at the start and... It went okay. It yeah, was all right. It did. I'm really excited for the the scene to return as it as it mm. was before. You know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that song? Are we discuss? Are we talking about idiot? Is this the song that we're, yeah. we're right? Cool, cool. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown about that song and what it's about? How it came yeah, to be? So, I mean, idiot was about. I wrote it about my ex who um, when when we broke up in sort of late 2019, um, we had that thing. I don't know if you guys can relate, but like you just can't leave each other alone, texting each other all the time, hooking up heaps, you know, just sort of in this cycle that feels toxic, but also, you know, you can't leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And we incidentally, I, I feel like it was like the week that song came out, we got back together again, which was very funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> very <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what it was about. And um, I don't know, I'm like, I don't know, I guess people have called me a, a social justice warrior before and I'm not going to shy away from that term. I don't love it, but, like, I'm certainly a bit of a lefty. I really, like, enjoy I mean, the way I like to put it is, like, why would I piss people off? Why would I be offensive and problematic if I have the ability to listen to the people around me and learn about, like, how to be a better person and how to treat people with respect and kindness? Like, why wouldn't I do that? And leading up to Idiot being released, I just had this niggling thing in the back of my head. I was like, is this a a term that's super problematic? Um, And I reached out to a bunch of people, including my incredible PR team and my management and my label, heaps of my friends that I would consider like, you know, socially aware and and pretty kind of woke people. Um, And no one seemed to have an issue with it. And I did some online research, but I realise now looking back that maybe I could have reached out to a few more people in the disabled or neurodivergent Mm. communities. And after that song came out, somebody got in contact with me and said, you know, this is a problematic term and it, it harms people that are disabled and it has done for a long time. It's got a long history of being a problematic term and there's some things that you need to learn about it. So I really took a step back after that had happened and someone had come to me and, um, you know, used it as an opportunity to educate myself a bit more. Mm. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, I'm not really promoting that song anymore, but I, I also think, you know, like as a woman of colour, neurodi- neurodivergent myself, I'm not going to remove that as like an income stream from my life as a musician, but exactly. I'm also just not really promoting it. And it's a good, it is a good talking point to kind of share with other people like what, like... Yeah what happened and yeah. where I've learned. Helps to inform. Yeah. Because I, I don't necessarily think I would have thought of that if, when I was releasing it too because it's kind of just like, I don't know, such a, just a word that you throw out there and you never really think about it as often yeah. um, as you probably should, I guess. Well, that's the thing and that's a really big reason why I like to talk about it because it's a word that we use all the time and people just say yeah. it so casually. And, you know, I, I still slip up and say it sometimes and I see a lot of people around me using that and equal words like psycho, dumb, crazy. Like there's so many words that are kind of pretty entrenched in our regular vernacular that are considered ableist um, yeah. but because they're so widely used we are more likely to just kind of shrug it off or be like, you know, if everyone else is using it, I don't, like, why should I remove it from my vocabulary? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to, like, learn as much as I can wherever I can and use those opportunities and connections with people that are in, um, you know, communities that I belong to or that I respect um, to learn how to be, yeah, more inclusive in the way that I just behave in the world. Yeah, and sure. I think that's good, especially because you have a platform as well. So you're able to, by you gaining that knowledge, you're able to spread that knowledge to your fans and such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all in this together, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not, I think the biggest, the most important lesson that I've learned, particularly about being sort of like in a in a role that's sort of semi-public or whatever is that being wrong is not the problem. Like you're always going to fuck up and there's always mm. going to be, there's always going to be ways in which you you have more to learn or that you're doing something that might 
harm other people or offend other people, that's never going to go away. So the issue is not about not being wrong. It's about being able to humbly accept that you have done something wrong and that there's room for improvement. And instead of being defensive, just listen to the people around you that have issue and figure out ways to incorporate them in, in the way you live your life. And yeah, I don't know if, that, if that's the only thing that comes of like all this stuff with, with that song, then, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, well, on another note, we'll talk about one of your other songs that I really, really <laughs> love. Um, <laughs> I don't get along. Um, it's just an anthem. Um, and it's one of my favorites of yours. Um, you. so do you want to we'll talk a little bit about that song as well and like how that came to be and what that's done for your career as well? Sure, yeah. I I really love that song. Um I wrote that with one of my um, friends and one of my favourite collaborators. His name is PJ Harding. He just released um, an EP with Noah Cyrus, which came out um, last week, which was amazing. Um, and we always have a really fun time writing together. And I think the reason that is is because we just make each other laugh. We find the same, similar things funny. And um, well, I, I think we have a similar music taste as well, a similar taste in, like, melodies and flavors that we like and the day that we wrote why don't we why don't we do why don't we get along <laughs> the name of my own song um we were just talking about like euphemisms for sex and this has always been a funny thing about this song right because people when they hear it always think that it's about something that's a little bit more grandiose than what it's really about yeah um and I feel like I'm, you know, maybe I'm a bit of a basic bitch because a lot of a lot of my songs at this point are all just euphemisms for sex. Um, <laughs> Why don't we get along? Is um is no different. But it's sound. There's something about the kind of like the choral um, vocals and just the the nature of the melody that make it sound like it's a little bit more um, deep and special than it. <laughs> but it's actually just talking about like you know. We have, uh, we have sex. We're just there's something that's not like totally working out. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I've played it before, and people have cried, and they're like, "That's so incredible." I'm like, "Thank you." <laughs> it's about fucking, like. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful thing about it is that like someone else can listen to that song and take a whole different mm. thing away from that really? and, like, that's what's so know. nice about music is that yeah, it is so reflective exactly. and like I think there's a lot of artists that I've read interviews with that have kind of said you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about what this means because I'd just rather the audience like you know have their own journey mm. with it and sometimes that's the case like sometimes talking about why you wrote something or what it means can really ruin it for a person. So, mm. like, you know, I totally respect that. I remember talking, I remember reading this interview with, like, um, Tom York about one of my favourite Radiohead songs of all time and he just shat on it and was like, this is a terrible <laughs> song. It's about, it's completely gibberish, like, it doesn't mean anything. And it totally shattered my perception of this song that I would loved for so much of my life. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have just um. Yeah, maybe you've just done that to a few My other thing is that, like, I that's like one of my pet peeves when like artists don't tell us what the song actually means <laughs> to them. It's just like they're just like, nah. I'm just gonna leave it for your interpretation. It's just like, 
irks me so much. <laughs> well, that's probably know. why. It's probably about something really silly and that's why they haven't revealed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah probably. probably. Really <laughs> but I kind of love knowing that it was just about something stupid and my brain has just made some yeah. really awesome content out of something <laughs> about two people having sex. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, but, yeah, love that. I love that that is the meaning of that song. <laughs> um, you... Also, you did a like a version like a while ago, um, but it was quite iconic. Um, and you <laughs> chose to do Last Friday Night by Katy Perry. Yeah. Why, why that song? Yeah, look, there was, I had, I mean, there's so many, so many Australian musicians really look forward to that opportunity. It's become quite an iconic mm. um, sort of rite of passage for the Australian music community. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't something that I thought about doing for a long time before I got the opportunity to do it. So I had by that stage a long list like in my notes about all the songs that I would love to cover, um, both in that context and outside of it. Mm. Um, so that song was just, yeah, one of many. I had a lot of other ones that I would have preference doing, but a little known thing about that is that Triple J is involved with the choosing yeah. of the song. Yeah. Um, and also, too, if you're an artist that's signed to a label or whatever, you know, that you've got a whole team of people that are talking about that opportunity, not only as like a, a chance to express your creativity as an artist, but also like a marketing opportunity and a PR opportunity. So like as much as you have these songs that you've grown up with that mean a lot to you that you'd really like to do, sometimes that choice comes down to like what is the most marketable um, or what is the most aligned with your sort of creative vision as an artist. So that song in the end turned out to tick most boxes across the board. It was sort of, I think it really embodied the spirit of a lot of the songs that I'd released prior to that, um, just in that it's kind of funny and fun and it's definitely got like that kind of pace that's a bit, you know, it's a bit of a party anthem. And I, I love a lot of Katy Perry's songs. So, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, I got roasted on the day, though, like absolutely really? roasted. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Triple J listenership is, uh, they can be really. Yeah, hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore. Um, and, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of artists that are doing a similar thing to what I was doing at that time. And I just think they thought the Katy Perry choice was a little bit basic. So I got, mm. I got hella roasted on that day. Like I remember crying and locking myself in my room and being like, oh. Oh, so um, but yeah, I, I mean, that same day I signed a record deal. So it, you know, oh, yeah. there's, light, there's light and shade to everything, you know, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um it was it was okay, but I I love Katy Perry and I love that song and it was such a great opportunity to do it and I really look forward to being able to do it again. Like, well, that's I, amazing. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is a song that you would like to cover now if you were to do it again? Oh what man, there is so I think if, it's like once a week I think of a new song that I would yeah. like to cover. There's so many. Um, let me think about. I wonder if there's any. See, my brain's not really reliable. What I, I remember the one that was at the top of my list when I picked Katy Perry that I really wanted to do was Smooth by Santana featuring um, mm, Rob Thomas. That would be so nice. I love that song so much. 
Um, and I remember my whole team was like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> but I still think it would go off. I still think it would go off to this day. But yeah, that would have been really like a real sexy song. Yeah. They are just. Yeah. Also, what a great opportunity to just get someone to like rip it up on guitar. However, I did get Chuch from um, Gang of Youths to play on my like a version, which I thought mm. was pretty great. Oh, love that. Yeah. Um, well, there's been also quite a few collaborations going on in the Like A Version scene at the moment. Who is someone that you'd kind of love to have a bit of a collab with? Not necessarily in Like A Version, but just life in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's so many strong women of colour in the scene at the moment. Like, I've and we've talked about it too, but like, I talked ages ago, I talked about having this super group of like me, Jesswa, Kaid, Sam the Great, Miss Blanks. Like there was a whole crew of like brown and black babes that I was like, this would be so cool. Like yeah. just forming like a black and brown Spice Girls R&B version in Australia. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just collaborating with women and people of colour is something that I really enjoy. So any of those all those girls should hit me the fuck up. That would be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have headlined your own tours, played some like awesome shows, played with some really awesome people supporting them, like Peking Duck, for example. Um, yeah. what is like a really fun, memorable moment that you've like, you just, it's stuck with you that you've just had on tour with supporting someone or not supporting someone, just. Man, the whole Peking Duck tour was absolutely wild. Like those guys are just untamable beasts. Um, and sweethearts too. And they really, um, that it was quite a big tour and it went on for a while venues their stage show is amazing they had me up on stage with them um they all do like sets after their shows so i don't know how you do it i'll like hit um sound check like 3 p.m and then be at the venue until like you know midnight one o'clock and then hit like an after hours dj party and be there till five in the morning and then catch flight seven and do it all again so I don't know, there was so much about that tour that I loved, including just, like, their workmanship and their dedication to their role, their ability to just party like no one else I'd ever met. But so the stage show being this incredible thing, like, they had pyrotechnics, they had, like, those, what do you call those, like, gas shooter things, like CO2, like, blasters. Um, And, yeah, the musicianship, everything about it, like, that whole tour was absolutely wild and a great opportunity, obviously, because the venues were thousands and thousands of people um great um i don't know as a headline artist on your own tour it's a really nice opportunity to give a platform for artists that like that you really like that other people might not know about so um i've certainly had some really great support acts over the years um like it's gonna test now (laughs) yeah maybe i'm not gonna like, I was just about to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. And also, you've done really cool, like, you've gone to the Arias, collabed with Converse recently, done the yeah. thing, which is so cool. Um, what's like something that's really been like personally for you, just like something that you've loved? 
Look, I'll tell you what, and this is probably not the answer you're after, but like it, it's been such a tough year, you know, for artists and Australia in particular hasn't been super supportive of the creative arts, even just in the fact that like football stadiums can house, you know, three, four times the amount of people that a music venue can hold for no other reason than one host sports and one host, you know, entertainment, create, you know, musical entertainment or whatever. And um, a lot of us have really been through it and not only um, artists like myself, but people that work, you know, in crew or, you know, lighting, sound, stage management, tour management, all of these other people that are affected by the way that COVID has the industry. Um, still have opportunities like brand collaborations and to appear panels and to do things that are sort of adjacent to my musical career but not directly musical relate music related um just to allow myself to to continue to survive and have some sort of income you know I, I count myself very lucky for having those opportunities so like just yeah having things um come up and having people be interested in your presence and the things that you have to say is is just such an honour. So I've been really thankful that those certain opportunities like the ones you mentioned have come up because um, it means I can still eat food and live in a house. <laughs> and also I think it's so cool that like brands like Bonds and Converse like incorporate like musicians into mm. their like instead of just like some like not to shit on influencers or anything but you know <laughs> what I mean like just like someone that like makes really cool music and just like has a really cool platform of, apart from being like someone on converse if you know what I mean um just like yeah having like queer like artists or like culturally diverse people just collaborate with them as well I think that's so sick that they got you to do the bonds thing and the converse mm. ad as well mm. I just yeah I just really love that yeah. yeah well it's definitely mutually beneficial you know like it works for artists to be like kitted out in cool gear and mm. and have money coming in and to have a profile that's sponsored by obviously a globally recognized brand but also for a brand to kind of reach out and say hey you know like we're not only interested in skinny blonde white models. We also are really interested in these people who are really kind of the tastemakers of our community. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, working with, with artists that represent something that's a little bit different also is beneficial for the brand as well as it is for the artists as well. So yeah, I agree. Um, also wanted to touch on a bit of your TikTok game. Um, that's been <laughs> happening lately. Um, <laughs> always popping up on my for you page, but um, you embarrassing. No, nah, not even TikTok is <laughs> fun. It is a good time. I don't know. I've been floating with this boy on the internet recently, and he's like, you know, well, I mean, as soon as they know who you are, like they can just find your TikTok, and I'm fucking petrified of that. It's like. <laughs> Don't look at that. Don't look at that. If you still want to find me hot tomorrow? Do not look at it. It's so embarrassing. Or just anyone you know, like your parents. I don't know. It's, it's a big like, thing on TikTok for just be like, if you know me and you're looking at this, like, no, you're not. Like, please do. Like, avert your eyes. This is not for you. I know that's so true. If I ever put anything on my TikTok, it's for me and me only. Like I just yeah. want like me, my best mate, maybe just like to see it, have a little bit of a laugh, and leave it. Yeah, it's strangers only. I mean, I wish you could do that, like block everyone from your contact list on TikTok, and just then, like, then you can exist in the world, have a full career without anyone knowing. Yeah. Um. 
but you also have actually used that platform for some really cool shit. Like um, spoken a little bit recently about Scarlett Adams and the RuPaul <laughs> Drag Race um, and just like little, like just things like that. Like you've also mentioned like ages ago, um, just about your experiences at venues and how like they should be safer um, and just whatnot. Um, why do you think it's kind of important to discuss these issues just with the platform that you have, I guess, because you, a lot of people just choose to shut up, I guess, and not really talk about anything and share their, um, inputs and opinions. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a big part of it for me really is just that I can't shut up. Like, like I physically can't restrain myself, like stop myself from talking about things that I really care about. So I think part of me... (laughs) Part of me sometimes wishes I had a bit more restraint because it feels sometimes like people see my online presence and just think that I'm a bit of a know-it-all, like, lefty social justice warrior that just wants to be... I mean, literally I had someone text me the other day and just saying, you're not saving the world, you know, with all of your, like, videos and shit. Like, it's, you know, you're not you're not this, like, Wonder Woman character. And that's not at all what I think that I am. It's yeah. just that I can't stand by and watch shit happen and not say mm. something if I have the voice and the platform. Why would I? It would just feel so dark for me to not say something. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's a massive part of it. But also, like, um, if you have the ability to influence just one little second of somebody's day and make them even not change their behaviour but just rethink why they think the way they do or maybe next time just challenge, you know, what they would, what the way they'd normally behave for a second, then I feel like that's an opportunity well spent if you can, if you can do that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. For me, like going, I saw it on my For You page about the whole Scarlet Adams thing. For like, for a bit of a reference, um, this um, person's going to be on RuPaul's Drag Race and they're just have a bit racist to be, to just leave it like that. And I had no idea. Um, so you've yeah. educated one person in the yeah. like, theme of things. Um, which well, I think and that's the, like, it's just, an, it's just an interesting context. Like I certainly don't believe in cancel culture. Like I think yeah, no can grow and change and no doubt, like this person is a different person now than they were six years ago when they were committing those <laughs> racial atrocities. But yeah. Um, like, yeah, I just, I think that it's important to just learn about context and consider you know, the fact that this world still platforms people that are white with a known history of racism over platforming people of colour who are succeeding in that very same world. So, like, why not ask the question why that is the case? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Also, too, like, there's there's people in, like, certain communities that don't feel like they have the strength or the energy or whatever to speak out. And I don't mind because I'm a loud mouth and I've been like shot down for much less. So I don't mind being the scapegoat for that kind of shit because there's a lot of people that are scared into silence. So like, I'm, I'm happy to just kind of hang myself out to dry. If that's the case. <laughs> but it's good though. Yeah. Cause it gives them a people... voice, you know, if they come. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot more people up to you than shit on you. Like, like not everybody's going to message you and be like, wow, that was so amazing. Like you changed my life. Yeah. 
what you said, but more people are going to well, shit on you. that's not what I'm looking for either. Like, I certainly don't yeah. expect a big pat on the back. I, I think, like, just talking about things, like, you know, um, talking about other people's problematic behaviour is the very bare minimum that you can do in terms of, like, um, dismantling white supremacy or whatever the issue may be. So, yeah, I just think if more people did that, just even had the conversation with their friends, even though it's super uncomfortable, then I think we'd just be in a better place just by the fact that we're making everyone think twice before they just get away with. Yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. For sure. Whatever, <laughs> whatever, yeah. <laughs> I start getting so anxious because I'm like, oh, God, don't say the wrong thing. No, but, no, you know, no, you're so fine. We say some real stupid <laughs> shit on here sometimes and we're like, wow, we really should not have said that. Um, but also, so what is, last but not least, what is in the works for you at the moment? Do you have, like, single coming out or a music video or an EP in the works or new shows coming up? What's What's coming up? yeah shit like all of that all of that um I've been working on an album for a really long time now but um behind the scenes there's just been lots of um little negotiations and shifting happening just with in terms of like yeah how that album gets released and and who it gets released with um so what was once a very short and easy to execute plan has been maneuvered a couple of times so it's been yeah, a bit longer of a journey than I ha- would have hoped for, but I'm still writing that album and there's so many fantastic songs on it. Um, so I'm just still kind of fully fleshing that out, but I have some live shows coming up really soon. Um, a tour that I have had booked for, I would say a year and a half with Thelma Plum is finally, hopefully gonna happen. Um, yeah, in a month or two. So I'm really excited for that because Thel and I are good mates and I haven't, seen her since before the pandemic kind of broke out so I'm really excited for that um and hopefully uh a single and maybe some following tracks from my upcoming record will happen real soon awesome. hopefully hopefully yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll happen eventually <laughs> um, well, that's freaking awesome we're keen to hear some new stuff from you as well and that yeah. show will be so cool it's going to be so great she's an incredible musician all the venues are dope and it'll be really I haven't played a gig since like the end of February last year so it's like going to be my first Mm. time playing in a long time so I hope I'm like I hope I can still do it yeah Um, but yeah thank you so much for joining us today Mm. thank you you. thank you guys it's been so nice and thanks for being so flexible I'm sorry we do a bit of a cheers at the end of our episodes if you want to join yeah us. i brought three things i've got red wine or i've got this really cheap aldi beer or i've got a kombucha <laughs> do whatever you please i feel like i feel like a wine what time is it oh it's three o'clock oh it's wine o'clock it's wine time baby <laughs> Cheers, Kira. Thank Cheers, you so guys. much. It's so nice Thank to talk goodness. to you. Cheers. Cheers.